Alright, taking my Cheetos. Oh. I thought you were going to take the whole bag and then I was going to yell at you. No, honestly, go nuts because my doctor said I should cut back, but I don't. (laughs) Why do you have high cholesterol? I have a stomach ulcer. (laughs) Oh. Nice. (laughs) R.I.P. And he was like, do you eat like spicy foods? And I'm like, mmm, A family pack of hot Cheetos daily. <laughs> is that spicy though? Is that what you were thinking? This was also when I was like binge drinking and he was like, well, what do you drink? And I'm like, gin. He's like, what else? I'm like, sometimes there's ice in it. <laughs> <laughs> and with that. Uh, welcome. Welcome to, to the sober life. <laughs> Welcome to Extra Sauce on the Side. Might as well introduce ourselves while we're here. I'm here with Val or Valerie, and I'm going to need you to pronounce your name, your last name, because oh, I still Oresco. don't know. Oresco. Oresco. Okay. Yeah. It's like it looks. It's like Oreo with an S and a K as a filling. <laughs> right. So you just stick it in the, in the middle. Special edition Oreo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Val and I met through mutual friends. I don't, maybe at an event. I don't know. Oh. We just we're just friends. We just are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. Mostly. I, I don't have a single friend that's not from Instagram at this point. Yeah. Well, that's how you make friends as an exactly. adult. Exactly. If if you're not making friends that well that way, let us know. People that re- meet in real life, suspicious. It is. <laughs> it, it's a little I'm like suspicious. wait, but how did you? You didn't know everything about them before you met them. <laughs> It wasn't slightly creepy because you, just, you knew what they had for breakfast. <laughs> you just went into this relationship without knowing like their aunt's name and where they vacationed in 2007. Yeah, that's a little odd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Seems a little unsafe to me. Not for me, but you do you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Val is here to talk mostly about sobriety. Uh, you've been sober since before we met, I think. Yeah. I, uh, February 2nd. So I don't know when this is going live, but February 2nd, which is next Tuesday. So exactly a week from today, I will be two years sober. So we will release this that Friday. Oh, so oh my gosh. It'll be in the so I am now. Week of celebration. <laughs> two years and three days sober. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> so I just want to like go into just talking about how you got to the point of being sober and what it's like being in your 20s and being sober and... um. Caleb and I are not sober, if you haven't noticed, but today it's strictly wingman water and hot Cheetos over here. So, um, <laughs> so Val, if you want to just tell us a little bit about how your life was going before you went sober and what led you to that decision and a little, your story is a little bit different than most people. So just explain that to people. Yeah, too. absolutely. So for anybody that doesn't know me, I am 26, I think. What? Math? Yep, 26. Um, And yeah, almost two years sober living in Beer City, USA. And that is just not as common as I think uh, other alter or other lifestyles, maybe. Well, the lifestyle here is to drink like an alcoholic every day. (laughs) Literally, if you go out in Grand Rapids, you are drinking one to three beers every day. Totally. And that's completely normal. And we joke about being alcoholics all the time and then shrug it off and say, well, we live in Grand Rapids. So. 100%. And that was my lifestyle for many years. I moved here in 2015 and I loved that there was a brewery on every corner and going to dive bars and literally my entire social life revolved around drinking. And I had drunk a lot in college as well. And, you know, that kind of spiraled out of control at moments. Um, At one point, my sophomore year in college, I had to be hospitalized because I drank so much and my heart actually stopped and I had to have the electric paddles and everything. And you'd think that you'd wake up from that experience and be like, yeah, that's it. Like I took it too far. I'm never drinking again. And I think I went like blacked out the next weekend. Like it was just like not a thing to me. Like I'm small. That happens. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, it's college. Everybody's crazy. And everyone was like, not that crazy girlfriend. Like, let's reel it in. Um, so yeah, definitely didn't learn my lesson then. And then I moved to Grand Rapids and definitely maintained that lifestyle and ended up going to the hospital again. Um, after a breakup, it got like, I really was using drinking as a way to deal with my emotions and that went really overboard. Um, 
And then again, still didn't learn from that experience. I started dating my current boyfriend, who is an angel. We love him so much. But his friend group definitely participated in that party scene. I mean, we were going out every single weekend and we were drinking hard and I wanted to be like part of the boys and was trying to keep up with guys that were twice my size and it just wasn't good. So there were a lot of really bad hangovers, a lot of blacking out, a lot of saying things that I shouldn't have said and doing things that I shouldn't have done. And it really came to a peak when I was actually working as a server at a sports bar. So I was around alcohol all the time I was given free alcohol by uh, customers, by the bartenders that I worked with, and we would work really hard and then want to party really hard afterwards. And I started blacking out once or twice a week, and then it escalated to like five or six nights a week. And then it really got to a point where my relationship was suffering. I didn't feel like I was acting like who I truly am. Um, I'm a pretty selfless person. When I'm sober and when I'm drinking, it was like the only thing that mattered was me. It was all about me. I was only just talking about myself, didn't care about anyone else. I started driving drunk, which has always been like the worst thing you could possibly do in my book because you are just putting so many innocent people at risk um, in addition to yourself. But um, so I started driving drunk and I just remember one day like waking up still in my clothes from the night before I was home. And I could not remember how I got home at all. And I just like kept thinking like, there's no way I drove. There's no way I drove. And then I looked out front and my car was parked crooked outside and I had been completely blacked out. It was snowing the night before. I had to drive like on the highway to get home and I had done that blacked out. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. That's not me. That's not who I am. That's not the type of person that I want to be. Um, And so around this time, like, I was having these realizations that, like, alcohol was really affecting my life negatively. It was really affecting me and my boyfriend's uh, relationship. And so he asked if we could go to church together. And we hadn't really gone to church of our own volition the entire time we'd been dating. We'd both been raised religious, but just wasn't something that was necessarily a focus in our relationship. And so I was, like, super hungover and begrudgingly agreed to go to church. You know, I could barely see straight. I was so hungover. Um, But I just remember sitting in church feeling like complete crap, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And I just kind of like had this surrender moment where I was just like, God, I don't even know where I stand with you right now, but like I cannot keep living like this. I've tried to limit my drinking in, in all the kinds of different ways, but I just I can't live like this. I need you to give me a sign of what I need to do to get my life together because this is going to ruin my career. It's going to ruin my relationship. Heck, I could kill myself drunk driving. I just need a sign of what to do. So, you know, the heavens didn't open up like immediately. I How rude. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I went about my day. I had to work that night at the sports bar. And I was the closing server, so I was going to be there really, really late. And around midnight, I only had one table. And there was a table of three girls that were my age. And we were just kind of chatting. We we're having a good time. We we're cracking up. We we're laughing. Um, and they're all drinking Diet Coke. <laughs> and I, one of the girls was like, yeah, we're here just kind of commiserating because I just got dumped and we're really upset about it. And I was like, oh, girl, that sucks. Like, let me get you a round of shots because that is that is brutal. And the best way to take the edge off is with booze. And she just straight up turned to me and was like, we're actually all in AA. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> and like, I got like goosebumps and like was like, oh, so you mean eight hours ago when I prayed for a sign? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, this might be it. And I don't even know what kind of came over me, but I was just like, I I want to come with you. Yeah. Like, I think I have an issue with drinking. And they were so nice. They, like, gave me their phone numbers and added me on Facebook. And they met me at an AA meeting the following week. And I have not had a drink since then. So God literally just <laughs> sent you a group of strangers with no one else around and was like, here you go. Literally. Yeah. Um, I think one of the, like I kind of mentioned, like, Every time something bad would happen with drinking, I took it too far. I did something that I wasn't proud of. I would try to put some sort of constraint on myself to be like, okay, well, this is how I'm going to prevent this from ever happening again. So instead of liquor, I'm only going to drink beer or I'm only going to drink on the weekends. I'm only going to have three drinks when I go out. And that might work for a while, but it 
never really worked. Yeah. But the thought of being completely sober had never occurred to me because I thought that was for like old people. (laughs) (laughs) Or people who had been to jail or – yeah. Exactly. Like um, I didn't think it could be like somebody in like their mid-20s living in Beer City, USA. Like no, that's just not a thing that people – did I had never met somebody my age who was still like cool and fun, but was also sober. Yeah. And so then like I pray that something happened, like I need a sign and I meet three super cool, super nice girls that are still out living their best lives. They're my age, but they're sober. Yeah. Amazing. It's a freaking <laughs> miracle. And especially like with the driving drunk thing in Grand Rapids, it's so hard not to do that. There's, I mean, there's Uber now, but back in your prime, even two to three years ago, like it was hard to get an Uber and you just drove home because you have to drive everywhere in Grand Rapids. And so almost everyone I know has done it at some point in their life. Yeah. I think it's become very normalized. Um, There have been times that like I've shared that part of my story where I was like just absolutely berating myself for driving drunk because I, I really do think it's incredibly selfish and dangerous. And most people respond like you do, like, oh my gosh, like that's crazy that, you know, I hate that you experienced that. But a lot of people have responded like, well, I mean, don't beat yourself up for that. I mean, like everybody drives drunk or like, I mean, I did that last weekend. Yeah. And it's just so normalized in our area that I think it can be easy for some people to brush it off. But when you really think about it, you're putting your own life at risk. You're putting the lives of countless other people at risk. And you're just kind of potentially ruining your life, even if you just get pulled over. I mean, you could lose your license and it's just it's a a huge mess. And I don't think it should be trivialized the way that it has been. Yeah. And so like easily socially acceptable. Totally. And and even like drinking in excess being so acceptable, like lately over quarantine, everyone is joking about how they turned into a huge alcoholic over quarantine, (laughs) which shouldn't be a joke because there are people who really do struggle with that. Um, And I actually had the opposite effect where I started realizing that I didn't enjoy drinking as much as I thought I did and it didn't make my body feel good. Mm -hmm. And now I really don't drink that much and I don't miss it. And I think that's one thing that people really struggle with is understanding that you can have fun without it. You can go on a bachelorette weekend and not be drunk the whole time and like actually make the most of your time because you don't feel terrible that when you wake up the next day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, even though I've chosen to live sober and I think it has completely transformed my life and I see no downside to it. Um, I'm not completely like anti-alcohol. I don't think everybody needs to be sober, but I do think everybody needs to have a mindful relationship with alcohol because I think with the way that the media portrays alcohol, um, it has become really normalized to, yeah, really go overboard, be super wasted or even black out multiple times a week. Um, And that can be really dangerous and it can be used as like an emotional crutch to Mm -hmm. where you don't actually have to feel or deal with your problems and and that's not healthy. Um, So yeah, I think that having a mindful relationship with alcohol is really key. So even if you're not living the sober life, just knowing like why you drink, what situations make you drink more or less, just being aware of that, um, you know, all good things can, can be bad if they're done in excess. And I think alcohol is. And I think not just alcohol. I think, I think with weed becoming legalized too, my husband and I have this conversation all the time. You need to be really careful if you're using a mood-altering substance in a way that isn't, first of all, clinical. Like, if it's something that is prescribed by your doctor and being regulated by a doctor, more power to you. But, like, 90% of the cases aren't. And if you're self-medicating with something instead of seeking the help that you need, there's a problem there. Oh, yeah. I mean, that can even be food, you know? Which I struggle with all the time. Oh, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Or restricting food. There are so many ways... That addiction can take over your life that have nothing to do with the substance itself. And I think that's very important. And your story is a great example of that because you didn't necessarily quit because it was 100% ruining your life. You didn't get arrested. You weren't forced to quit. But you saw a pattern in yourself that wasn't healthy. Yeah. I I identify like the downward trend. Yeah. And I think 
a lot of people could look inside themselves and identify something in their life that they're clinging to. For me, it was attention from ex-boyfriends, mm. strangers, boys of all kinds. And mm -hmm. it led to some really destructive things in my marriage until I worked it out and figured out who I was and what my identity was. And I think your story is similar in that part where those addictions and vices were hiding who you really were on the inside and yeah. allowing you to live a life where you couldn't go any deeper because you were stuck on this surface level thing, trying to fit in with the boys, yeah. you know, like totally. trying to fit in with people around you who, who are great people, I'm sure, mm -hmm. but they're not you. Right. <laughs> and like, I really appreciate you opening up about uh, your struggles with this because my, so now that I, I'm sober, um, a lot of people ask if I'm an alcoholic and I personally don't identify as an alcoholic. I have never felt addicted to alcohol. I never like woke up and had the compulsion to drink. I was addicted to other things that accompanied alcohol, yeah. you know, like I really loved that numb feeling. I loved not feeling insecure. And I also really struggled with needing external validation from yeah. men. And I knew that if I was going out to a crowded bar, I could get that really easily. And of course, they were buying me drinks or I needed a drink to feel social. And that just constantly went hand in hand. So yeah. Even, and even when you're in a relationship that doesn't stop. And I think nobody talks about that. Like yeah. getting married, I thought was going to be the solution for me. I thought that having someone around all the time who loved me would, would solve that for me. Mm -hmm. And when, when, even when you're married, you don't get all the attention that you want. Oh, totally. And it's really easy to go out there and manipulate people, but that's not who you are on the inside. Right. And, and it doesn't make you feel good. Exactly. The feeling doesn't last. I call that the Disney princess syndrome because like you watch these like classic Disney princess movies that we were raised with and the entire journey is her getting to the prince. And then as soon as they're married, the movie ends. Yeah. They say happily ever after. And that's what we are raised with. And it's just ingrained in us. It's like, find your man. <laughs> Oh, and, and I think part of it goes to the church too. Yeah. It's like, find your Boaz. Yeah. <laughs> and your life is complete. You don't have to worry about a thing. And then I'm like, wait, I'm still insecure. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I still feel crappy. I'm still and this sad person, as hell. <laughs> this person doesn't complete me like you say they're supposed to. Exactly. And that means my marriage is wrong. So I need to get divorced. That's it's what like, it I is. need to go to the bar. I need to get attention from some yeah. dude. And that's just what people do. You have to you have to get supplemental attention because your relationship will never be enough for you. And the world tells you that. Totally. The world says, you do you, girl. If your man holds you back, then he's an asshole and you should just move on. Or maybe he's trying to draw attention to some things in your personality that that are triggers and that need to be worked on. And that's yeah. the beauty of relationships is when you have someone steady like Taylor in your life who did go through all of that with mm -hmm. you. And I have someone like Caleb who is like the most patient. <laughs> he can be an asshole sometimes too. So oh, don't give him can. all the credit and don't you dare edit that out, Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really important to have someone who can look at you and say, I love you, but this is fucked up. Totally. And that's, yeah, there were many, many conversations where like I would be, you know, fluttering my eyes open, so hungover and Taylor would be there just staring at me being like, we need to have a conversation. And he told me so many times, like there, there's a line and you're crossing it over and over and over and this is going to ruin your life. And I was always like, mm, mm, mm. Like, no, like I, I know what's best for me. Like you're just being judgy. You don't want me to have fun. And then you go talk to the friends who are in that lifestyle with you who reinforce that feeling in oh, you yeah, and don't want what's best for you. And then the second you do want what's best for you, those people kind of disappear. And yeah. so I, we haven't talked about this before, but I'm assuming that when you got sober, you lost some friends. Did that happen? So I've been pretty fortunate in that I have always had very good supportive friends, but I definitely had my bar friends. So the people that I would exclusively hang out with when I was drinking, sober, we had nothing in common. We like could not hold a conversation if, you know, money was on the table. Um, <laughs> but those are the people that I knew. They were always down to get messed up any day, any time. And yeah, I can't say that I've seen them or really talked to them in, in the and last that doesn't two mean years. You don't care about them, but they are just different phases in your life. Totally. Right? And, and we just have completely different lifestyles that just aren't aligning right now. And by all means, they can keep on doing what makes them happy. But I found 
an alternative lifestyle that makes me feel really happy and confident. And they just happen to be different lifestyles. And that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and you still have fun. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of the biggest questions that you get from people is how do you have fun when you're not drinking? And I mm-hmm. think that's such a silly question because I hang out with you pretty often. <laughs> I mean, more often than a lot of people that I hang out with because I spend a lot of time working. <laughs> Hold on, burp break. <laughs> Here, I'll cough. <laughs> we can also take a break whenever you want to, by the way. You can have a Cheeto break, whatever. We can get more drinks. Wait, but I thought we were doing an ASMR section. Oh, we'll, we'll do that for the end. That's premium content for the after show. <laughs> this stuff is very burpy. Yeah. But beer is very burpy, so. Gosh. <laughs> so what, sidebar, when I did my own episode, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to make Caleb cut all this out, but I okay. <laughs> was sitting here by myself and I like kept forgetting what I was saying. So I just closed my eyes and do this. <sighs> <laughs> And we did video that time too, so I'm sure it was really good. Ooh, I love that. Okay. Okay, so yeah, eat that Cheeto. You're fine. (laughs) Okay. So what do you do with your friends if you're not drinking? So (laughs) I do get asked a lot what I do to have fun. And while I can kind of like chuckle at it now, it did take a while to kind of like find my groove again. Um, I would drink a lot when I was alone and learning how to just enjoy my own company again took me a really long time and learning to be social again without, you know, the crutch of alcohol was surprisingly hard. And you know, like I'm a very social person, Yeah. but the anxiety (laughs) and and (laughs) not even just normal anxiety, because you go to a lot of the events that I go to Mm -hmm. and a lot of the things that we do are like, I'm not trying to make us sound famous, but they're around other people. Girl, we're famous. <laughs> they're around other people who have a lot going on for them in Grand Rapids. And yeah. we all just feel like nerdy, nerdy nerds. Like and we show up. Imposter syndrome. And you show up by yourself and you're like, someone please be my friend. Yeah. And so alcohol does help with that. But I think people also appreciate that uniqueness about you when we do go to events and you're like, oh, I'm not drinking. And people are like, what? How? Yeah. Like, like it's some mystery, but she has just as much fun at events as the rest of us do. And you're probably not hung over the next day. Oh my gosh. Sometimes I think about being hung over and like, I almost throw up because (laughs) I just, I, I don't know how I did it. Yeah. And like, I didn't have like normal hangovers. I mean, I had hangovers where I'd be like throwing up for two days afterwards because I was just like, you know, just like 11 shots of tequila at a time. And I am what some people may consider petite. <laughs> so, Most people. So. I don't, you'll probably see, you need to go to Valerie's Instagram right now so you can see what she looks like. She's like the most beautiful model. We made a billboard together with Justin we from St. Julian, which I, is very I wave ironic. at it and like talk to it when I drive by. I'm like, oh, hello. But she's one of my favorite people to take pictures of because she like knows her body and knows what she's doing. But she also is tall and thin and, Thank you. you know, should I meant not about be the taking, body, yeah. not the, like. Oh my god, you think I'm? Oh you think I'm skinny? <laughs> not about that. You Thank you for thinking I'm a model. To be taking eleven shots of tequila, and everyone is too skinny to be taking. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, my hangovers are really bad. But yeah, thinking about it now, oh, um, I would rather be hit by a car. Yeah, hundred percent. I would bounce back faster. <laughs> yeah, and and when you go a while of not drinking. Because I really didn't drink over mm-hmm. quarantine. And then I went and had one wild night with my friends. And it affects your body so much. Oh because your body gets used to like functioning like a normal person. Yeah. And then you put Being alcohol hydrated. in it. And then you're like, "What? I never felt this crappy before. And your body's like, this is your punishment. Yeah, exactly. We liked it better the other totally. way. Totally. Even yeah. like there will be times that – um. so my boyfriend still drinks. All of my friends still drink. And I like being part of the fun. So like yeah. I'll go hang out and I just don't drink. And just being around people that are drinking, sometimes I feel hungover the next day. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I need greasy food. My boyfriend was like, you too. drank a kombucha Yeah, last night. <laughs> yeah that 0.05%. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I need a Western omelet. Stop. 
I think too the the culture of drinking of staying up so late too has a lot to do with hangovers oh, too. Of I am like a grandma now. Yeah. Well, I, I actually like am not, but I need to be better about it. <laughs> I stay up till three a.m. by myself because it's the only time that nobody emails me. So oh, I love that for you. It's really nice. Yeah. yeah. And then I people are like, "You didn't respond until afternoon," and I'm like, "Was sleeping." <laughs> love that. <laughs> It works. It works. I'll wake up for a client if I need to, but yeah. Um, okay. So what do we talk about? Oh, we're talking about having fun while yeah. sober. What do you um, do while you're sober? So, I mean, everything that you would normally do, honestly, just without alcohol, like, you know, pre COVID, I was still going out to dinner with my friends and, you know, having a tonic water and lime instead of wine with dinner. And I have been very, very fortunate in that I have very good friends, um, just like the highest quality friends that always want me to be comfortable and feel safe. So they have been very mindful of inviting me to places that aren't alcohol dominant. Yeah. So they're not necessarily inviting me to breweries. They'll always make sure that if we're getting dinner or hanging out like as a group of us, if I'm going to be there, that there's going to be food or non-alcoholic beverages available which is super, super nice. But I have loved rediscovering like more conventional hobbies and activities to do with your friends, you know, like instead of just getting wasted around the holidays, we built gingerbread houses and wrapped presents together and getting outside and going for walks and your girl loves coffee. Yeah. (laughs) I love drinking coffee. Um, But yeah, and then I really just have had I've I've taught myself to have conversation again without yeah. alcohol because for the longest time I used alcohol as a way to like break down boundaries um, because people are a little more willing to share when they're drinking. Mm-hmm. And I always thought of that as like, oh my gosh, alcohol is just like opening us up. It's making us so close. But then I'd wake up the next day and be like, oh my God, I told her what? <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, we weren't closer. In yeah. fact, I wanted to like remove myself from that person because I was like so embarrassed being like, you did not need to know about that strange diagnosis from when I was 12, yeah. you know? <laughs> and, if, and if you are telling people that kind of stuff, which is the kind of stuff that I do because <laughs> I tell everyone every dirty little secret about myself, uh, it's different if you're drunk and telling someone that stuff mm-hmm. than it is if you're like commiserating with someone and like in context and not doing it necessarily for attention, but to relate with people like there's a, there's a very different vibe. Mm -hmm. And I think a good example is I went to a cabin with a bunch of friends and yes, we did drink, but we sat and talked for literally six hours because we didn't have time to talk any other time. And I think, and you can do that a hundred percent without alcohol. Sometimes it's easier. Yeah. And like, it's just intentional. Yeah. Anything that I tell somebody now, it's because I'm choosing to tell them. It's not me getting drunk and uh, telling somebody something that I shouldn't or I don't feel comfortable sharing. You know, I'm choosing actively to share that side of myself. And that's a really authentic thing to do. And and it can be tough to trust that the people you're with aren't going to judge you and, and they're going to accept you and they're going to tr- do their best to understand what you are saying. Um, but it means so much more Yeah, when you're having those transparent conversations without the crutch of alcohol. Yeah. I think even just spending time with people without that crutch, Mm -hmm. because a lot of times I feel like people use social settings as an excuse to drink. I know I did. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's like, okay, well, it's better than drinking by myself. So I guess I'll go out. Exactly. when you're not. When you're not getting plastered, you can thoroughly enjoy the people that you're spending time with. And if you don't, you can actually tell that you're not enjoying this time you're spending (laughs) with people and not spend time with them anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Find the ways to politely be like, "Mm, I'm going home. (laughs) I need to water my cat. Goodbye. (laughs) Um, So... I know you have gone to meetings in the past. Mm-hmm. Are you? I don't know the rules about AA and how anonymous it has to be, but like, do you go often? Is it something that you should check in regularly? Like, how does that work for someone if they're considering maybe attending a meeting or if they know they have a problem and need help? Like, how do you get hooked up with someone like that without 
um, running, running into, into them at a sports them. bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't actively attend AA. It was very good for me to go um, the first couple months of my sobriety. I went to young people's meetings and it was just really good for me to be able to see that other young people were living sober lives. Just knowing that that was an actual choice I could make um, was really validating for me. And that really helped me get the first couple months of sobriety under my belt. But I no longer, I, I won't say I no longer attend. I infrequently attend. The main reason being is um, I just don't agree with some of the teachings or like fundamentals of AA. Um, for instance, if I was really adhering to the fundamentals of AA, I wouldn't be allowed to really talk about it. Um, but I kind of disagree with that. Yeah. Uh, and of course, it is a program that has been around for many, many, many years, and it has helped a lot of people with their sobriety. So I'm not trying to like crap on it and be like, if you're an AA, like ugh, you're subscribing to a terrible system. I'm just saying that it didn't work for me. Yeah. Um, I want to be able to share my story of sobriety because I think if I had heard a story like mine earlier, I probably would have gotten sober earlier. Well, and I had known that people like you struggle with it. I think that's the thing with alcoholism, especially here in Grand Rapids, is people think they've never met someone who struggles mm -hmm. with it. And they also think that it happens to a different group of people than them. Yeah, I know that. Like, because you can keep a job and because you can, <laughs> like, afford to, to buy the alcohol that you're drinking, it's not a problem. Right. But there are people just like you no matter what category you fit into, who struggle with it. Absolutely. And when mm -hmm. I thought about AA, I didn't think that it was even a possibility for me to go yeah. because I thought it was going to be like, this is kind of embarrassing, but I thought it was gonna be like old biker dudes yeah. that like I would walk in and they'd just be like, mm, you don't belong here. Cause I would probably no walk in. No pretty girls allowed. <laughs> like I probably would have walked in and like my little like skirt and like some little heels and been like, hi, I have a drinking problem. And like no one would have taken me seriously. So being able to connect with other people from all different kinds of walks of life was really good for me. Um, but yeah, I don't I just don't think that it is the only way to get sober. And there have been a couple instances where I've been like chastised by somebody that really adheres to the structure of AA um, for things that I I just disagree with. So I don't frequently attend. I um, will only really go now is if I'm going with somebody else. Okay. So I've had a number of people reach out to me and be like, I think I have an issue, like a, a drinking problem. I would like to go to a meeting, but I'm kind of like nervous um, or like I'm just not sure which meeting to go to. And so I'm always like any any day, anytime I will go with somebody to a meeting just so that they feel a little more comfortable and they don't feel alone. Because if I had gone to my first meeting alone, I never would have gone. Yeah. So I will go. I, I end up going like once a month, I think, but it's always with somebody else. Um. So I think it can be a really beneficial program for a lot of people. It just wasn't the right fit for me. And I just really don't think there's any one right or wrong way to do sobriety. Yeah. And a lot of people in AA have have kind of taken the stance that if you're not working that program, that your sobriety won't last um, or that it's it's not real or it's less authentic than somebody else's. And I think that really discredits people who are doing the self-work that are exploring their sobriety on their terms and really figuring out what it means for them to be sober. And I feel like I have a really good understanding of my sobriety and a good understanding of myself. And I've, I've come to that through other means. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with AA. But again, if anybody's listening and you're in the Grand Rapids area and you want to go to a meeting, but you're embarrassed or shy or whatever, hit me up, slide in my DMs. I will go with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And connect you to a community of people. Because exactly. I think... I think it the uh, uh, anonymity of it. <laughs> I I can't say that word. Ana anonymity. Anonymity. Yes, <laughs> the anonymity of that is is important because there still is a stigma around. Oh, you have a problem. Yeah. Just like we talked about mental health and there being a stigma around that as well. And it always is easier when you have other people who you know have gone through it and mm -hmm. can understand the process. So um, we're going to take a break so that we can get more refreshments burp. and burp and put an ad here. Uh, but we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit about um, identifying triggers and symptoms and how people can 
deal with that. So that's all. It's going so well. <laughs> I don't know. Gail! You're a snack sitter. Yeah, he's, a, he's a snack stealer. <laughs> he's like, no, I'm totally coming to sit next to you and those snacks. And he says, oh, you got any french fries? Those are my favorite. I also like pizza. You got some fresh toast? And anything with carbs, I'll take it. Funyuns? Maybe an empanada? <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about... I know you're not a clinical psychologist, but um, maybe some signs that you saw or that you've had other people in your life have mentioned seeing when they realized that they needed some help. Um, I know that destructive behavior is one of those things, but maybe you have more insight. Yeah, I feel like just being being kind of open about my journey with sobriety has opened the door for a lot of conversations with people who might not have otherwise felt safe um, in engaging in those conversations. So for myself and other people that have come into my life that have identified themselves as having either a drinking problem or a problem with drinking, because I think that there is an important distinction between the two, um, destructive behavior is definitely one of them. You know, Participating in things that repeatedly do more damage than good, um, whether that's physically, mentally, spiritually, relationally. Um, a, a big one I find is a lot of people ruin their romantic relationships with drinking, whether because they get aggressive when they're drinking, they say things that they shouldn't do. Um, infidelity and drinking is very, very common. And a number of people that I have spoken with have said that that was one of the biggest red flags is that they were very confident and happy in their relationship when they were sober. And then when they were drinking, they were basically looking for anybody to give them that romantic sexual validation. Um, so that is very, very common. But a lot of times I feel like if you're just asking yourself the question like, do I have an issue with drinking? Am I drinking too much? Is is this taking over my life? I'm not going to say that with 100% certainty. Like, yeah, you do have a problem. But it might be time to just take some time to really assess where you are with drinking. You know, if you've pulled up the online questionnaire of like symptoms of alcoholism or do I have a drinking problem? I'm not saying that you definitely do. But it might be time to just take a period of sobriety, even if it's just, you know, like a lot of people are doing dry January right now. Just taking four weeks away from from alcohol can be really eye-opening about your relationship with alcohol, why you drink, when you drink, how much you drink. And that can really help just kind of figure out what your relationship with that is. I just said relationship with alcohol like 13 times. (laughs) So, uh, but it's time for you to have a DTR with with alcohol. Exactly. Yeah, I think I think your body is smarter than we give it credit for, and I think it gives you some really clear signals when it's enough is enough. And I think just paying attention to those signals and having people in your life who you respect enough to listen to when they do tell you that something's wrong. And I yeah. I know personally from some of my destructive behavior that I had friends who loved me telling me way before I was ready to hear it. Um, And I am sure that was the case with you too. Did you have people who tried to speak truth to you and other than Taylor? (laughs) We've talked about that. Yes. I always say that I had people who loved me enough to be honest with me. I didn't feel like that at the time. I felt like they were out to get me or they wanted to ruin my fun. But in hindsight, I realized that those are the people that loved me the most. And they most wanted like what was best for me. So I had a counselor in college who um, he taught me a question that I now use um, or I encourage people to use. Like if you have a friend, a loved one that you suspect might have um, a problem with drinking or a drinking problem, a great question to ask them is, um, how is your relationship with alcohol? Because you're not like really putting them in a corner and you're not saying, do you think you have a drinking problem? That's just a yes or no answer. You're asking them an open-ended question that can really be a good starting point for like a deeper dialogue about 
your relationship with alcohol. Or it could be not. You could just say, it's good. And that kind of symbolizes like, I'm not ready for this conversation right now. Like, we are in a limo and I just put up the partition. (laughs) We are not going, do not pass go, do not collect $200. Um, So yeah, my counselor definitely asked me like, what is your relationship with alcohol? And at the time I was like, he he was actually um, sober, several years sober and continues to be sober and is a huge um, inspiration to me. But um, at the time I was like, oh, it's great. Like, I I really don't drink that much at all. And meanwhile, I'm like hiding my hospital bracelet from like drinking a lot. (laughs) And I'm like, "Mm, I just, I have a little sip of a sherry every now and again. And, you know, he could see straight through that. He was like, this is good. They don't even make sherry. (laughs) He's just like, you are, you have $12 in your bank account. You're not buying sherry. Um, And so he had definitely reached out to me. I remember having a very candid conversation at the mall Starbucks with a friend of mine where she is just an angel and she just, you know, I could tell that this was weighing on her and she went about it so sweet and she was just kind of like, I just want you to know that I love you so much. How are you? (laughs) She was like, you took it really overboard last weekend. You did some things that were inappropriate. Um, you weren't acting like you. And I I just want to check in on where you are. And of course, you know, I was kind of like lying through my teeth, like I'm good. Like it's fine. It was a one-time thing. But just knowing that she was concerned made it so much easier on me that when I did decide to get sober, she was one of the first people I reached out to and was like, please hold me accountable. This is something that I want. And she has been such a huge support to me ever since then. And I think it's important too to acknowledge for the people who are reaching out and trying that even if you get rejected, that person remembers. Yeah. Um and will come back to you. I think in your in adulthood people think that if your friendship isn't completely active all the time, it's just over. And I think people go in waves of when mm-hmm. they need each other. And I think when you go through choosing to get sober or choosing to change your lifestyle, you remember those people who are advocating for you even when you weren't ready to hear it. Mm-hmm. So if you're at a point where you have a friend who you feel like you need to open up to about something in their life and have that hard conversation, do it. And you probably won't get the response that you want right now, but it's worth it in the long run because they'll see that you loved them enough to say something. Yeah. And I think the the way that you go about it is also really important because- Um, I've definitely had some people also reach out to me and be like, well, you're an alcoholic or, and it was just like so harsh and abrasive that it made me recoil and think like, well, if I ever do have a problem or if I ever do need help, you're going to be the last person that I reach out to. And that does much more damage than it does good. Um, so if you are choosing to participate in, in those conversations, of course, you're going to know that person better than than I will. You're going to know how to navigate that situation. But always just reminding them, like, if you're in a dark place, if you are struggling, I want to be here for you. I want to help in any way that that I can. And if you do end up continuing to struggle, I'm still going to love you. I'm yeah. still going to be here to support you. I'm going to be here to pick you up, um, not making them feel like they are damaged or too far gone, but knowing that you want them to find their fullest, happiest, most fulfilled, safe self. Um, I think emphasizing those aspects of love and support really goes a long way. And you can still protect yourself and do those things mm-hmm. because you do need to be conscious of your own well-being. Um, totally. And Setting where those you're healthy at. boundaries. You need to set healthy boundaries. And when you're the one struggling, someone with healthy boundaries feels like the safest person when you want to get back on track because they're stable and they've always said the same thing and they always have believed the same thing. And if you're wishy-washy about it and participate in some of those behaviors and encourage them sometimes and don't at other times, you're not going to be the best person to walk through that with someone. So be supportive, be consistent, but also protect yourself. Totally. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> um, so I just want to go into, you did just have an interview live on Instagram where mm-hmm. people asked you questions. What are some of the most common questions you get from people who are either interested in the sober lifestyle or are just curious about things in general? Mm-hmm. And then are there any questions that you think people are scared to ask? Ooh, good question. <laughs> so I would say like the most popular question to ask is what is the hardest part about sobriety? Which 
of course, everybody wants to know the hardest part about yeah. anything. <laughs> um, and I think that really differs from person to person. As I kind of mentioned, I don't participate or I don't personally identify as an alcoholic or a person addicted to alcohol. I'm sure other people feel like that physical addiction, that physical need for alcohol is probably the hardest part of sobriety. That's not something that is really difficult for me because I just, I don't walk that, that journey. For me, I feel like the hardest part about sobriety is the social aspect, especially living in Grand Rapids. So many social activities revolve around alcohol to where if I'm having a hard day with my sobriety, I mean, I went to a baby shower this weekend and the first thing I see when I walk in was, you know, countless bottles of booze. Nothing wrong with that, but to think that even at a baby yeah. shower, like it's it's an opportunity to party. I mean, that's just kind of like our age and yeah. that's the lifestyle nowadays, but that can be very tough. Um, just feeling like that's going to be kind of in my face a bit. The other challenging aspect is there are people, not a lot. I'm very fortunate in that most people in my life are so accepting of my lifestyle. They're so open-minded. They know that I'm doing what's best for me. But I do encounter people that don't support the so sober lifestyle, which I think is kind of interesting because it's, like, it's, yeah. it's just my it's my life. Like, yeah. <laughs> what does it matter? But there are people that are like, oh, well, you just went to AA and they told you you're an alcoholic. So now you're sober. And, but they'll, they'll do that to anybody. Or like, oh, well, you don't have to be sober forever. And it's like, I mean, sure. Like, maybe I don't. But just be accepting like You're just like, I I actually <laughs> like this lifestyle yeah. I like myself this way yeah and I I get kind of frustrated when people are like that I don't know very well they're like oh well why and it's like <laughs> and it's like sure I'm, I'm sharing this on a podcast so clearly like I will talk about it but for people not being respectful and just being like you're obligated to tell me your, your story now yeah. something that is very personal to me um and then sometimes I'll get asked like oh my god are you pregnant <laughs> and like for those of you that know me I will never have a child like I am just not the maternal type and for people to say like, oh my god you're the only reason why you wouldn't be drinking is because you're pregnant and I'm like no I have a drinking problem like, <laughs> just, and the room gets really quiet literally they were like imagining me with a cute little stroller and then all of a sudden I'm like that woman with no teeth being like where's the gin <laughs> with your shopping cart walking down the alley exactly yeah. you can just see people like I change like a morph right in front of their eyes. You turn into a homeless woman. Yeah, they're like, I thought you were like a cute, trendy blogger. And I'm like, nah, I have problems and depression. <laughs> How dare you be beautiful and sad? How dare I be multifaceted? <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I mean, one of the questions I have for your journey personally, does the sober lifestyle extend to all substances? Does it, is it, obviously it's different for every person. Mm -hmm. um, I know the AA rule is nothing. You can't, you can't do anything. Um, except cigarettes. I feel like they're yeah, cool with cigarettes. Yeah. Cigarettes and AA are kind of like, <laughs> they go hand in hand. Those are like <laughs> PB and J. <laughs> um, is your goal to live a sober lifestyle completely? Are there some people who choose to partake in other things? Yeah, so it really does. I feel like sobriety is such an a personal thing. Um, I personally have never touched any kind of like recreational drug, and like drinking was just always my my thing of choice. And so now I I don't smoke, I don't do any kind of drugs, and I don't drink. So I am living a pretty sober, boring lifestyle, <laughs> just like very con conventionally the dry lifestyle. Yeah. But I know a number of people in AA that they um, like using weed recreationally. They have really no problems with it. It doesn't get in the way of their day-to-day -day life, but alcohol did. And yeah. so they choose to participate or partake in weed, but they don't in alcohol and, and vice versa. There are yeah. people that are in AA that are like, I'm addicted to X substance, but alcohol is fine for me. Yeah. Um, and so... It can be a, a lot of different things. But yeah, for me, I live a very sober, dry lifestyle. Um, and I honestly think it's probably going to be a lifelong yeah. thing for me. Well, and I, 
I haven't ever seen you like have serious interest in anything else really like yeah yeah I mean and and coming from someone who also has similar addictive tendencies I think that no matter what the substance was that you fell in love with it would have been a problem because of totally. where you were at in life right totally. and that's not me passing judgment that's me relating <laughs> to you <laughs> um, you had problems and I can see that I have never had a problem with anything <laughs> you looming over me <laughs> No, you're one of the only people I can't loom over because you're also tall. <laughs> um, do you think there are any questions that people are scared to ask sober people? That's a really interesting question that I had never actually really thought of. Um, I think there are some questions that people are afraid to ask, probably just because... They're rude? Not necessarily because they're rude, but I think a lot of people don't want to hear the actual answer. I think... Like, if there was a question I think people would be afraid to ask, it's, do you think people in your life have drinking problems? Oh, yeah. Like, now that I have had some distance from drinking and I have a fair amount of sobriety under my belt and, you know, I've, I've gone through a lot of AA and been reading a lot of books on sobriety, not to say that that makes me an expert by any means, but um, I have more insight and clarity about healthy drinking habits and unhealthy drinking habits. And I still go out to bars with my friends. Yeah. I still go out to parties. I mean, not really anymore because there COVID. aren't any. Exactly. Um, and yeah, if, if somebody asks me honestly, like, is there somebody or people in your life that you think have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol? I'd have to say yes, but they're not ready for that conversation right. yet. And, and that's okay. Um, and I think, yeah, Questions related to healthy drinking habits are the questions that people aren't asking because yeah. they don't necessarily actually want to evaluate their relationship with alcohol. Yeah. Um, even just things like I was telling you earlier, like my boyfriend was like, oh, I had a crappy day. I just really need a drink. And and he's saying that to me, just like venting. And um, he probably didn't actually mean anything by it. Yeah. But even me then just like kind of chirping in like, okay, why do you need that drink? Yeah. You can't cope with a hard day without it. Because that's when I kind of get, you get into like risky waters a little bit of yeah. like thinking, I cannot go a hard day without a drink. Yeah. And yeah, I can relate to that. There were days that like were terrible and the only thing getting me through it was thinking about a drink at the end of the day. And now that I don't have that, it is intimidating to think like, I have to deal with all of these problems, all of these feelings, all of these stressors and insecurities and pressure. I have to do it completely alone, on my own, my own sober brain. And yeah, it's hard. Yeah. But you acclimate. Yeah. And you adjust and you begin to learn like, I've made it through so much more. I can continue to do this on my own. And if you really are struggling, you reach out to your support system. Yeah. And that's why you have people. Right. So- those would be like the questions I think people would be um, afraid to ask. I've kind of, maybe it's because of who I am as a person. Like I'm a very open book. Yeah. I feel like people will just ask me straight up questions like, what was your lowest point with alcohol? And I'm like, ah, <laughs> oh, I was so drunk. I peed my pants in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> that was what I'd say. That was a low point. Yeah. Um, and mom, if you're listening, I'm sorry <laughs> that I am sharing that with everyone on the internet. You know, we've all peed our pants. Drunk or not, dare I say, some of us have pooped our pants as adults. And that's a whole other subject that this lactose intolerant individual will not go into right now. Oh, I feel so much better. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I feel like when it comes to personal questions about like sobriety, I feel like people aren't really afraid to ask me because they'll they know that I'll answer and have that candid conversation. But yeah, those questions that people don't want to know are the questions that are very easily applied to their own life and their own relationship with alcohol. Yeah. So yeah. So that being said, if you do feel like and we've talked about it already, but if you do feel like there's a little question in your mind, um, maybe reach out to someone who you trust and know and ask them their opinion about your drinking habits. Because I think having an outside perspective from someone you know and respect and has their head on straight um, is a really helpful thing. Um, 
And especially in Grand Rapids, stop using your location as an excuse to drink in an unhealthy way because we all do it and we joke about it and it's really bad for your body. (laughs) Yeah. And I I feel like people don't realize that. Yeah. Like it's just such a normal part of our everyday life that I think we forget the toll that it has on our body. I mean, whereas if I ate an entire Costco sheet cake by myself in one sitting, I would know I'm doing some damage. Yeah. Or if I smoked 10 packs of cigarettes alone in a car with my windows up, I know I'm doing some damage. But people can go and drink, you know, a 12-pack of beer on their own and and they don't really think about like, oh, what is this doing to my liver, my esophagus, um, the rest of my body, my digestive system. Um, and it it does take a toll, unfortunately. And I'm actually reading a book right now called Quit Like a Woman um, by Holly Whitaker. And it's it's amazing. She is a huge resource for um, sober and sober curious people. But she talks about how cases of like liver um, or cirrhosis of the liver are on the rise amongst our age group. Um, and alcohol related deaths are actually on the rise in women, especially. Yeah. Um, and we just kind of forget sometimes that like this is a substance that does really take a toll on our body um, after after some years so yeah, if even if you behave yourself perfectly when you're drinking, you never have like considered yourself having a problem with drinking, just being aware of how much you drink because it can unfortunately catch up with you just like anything. Yeah. And and I for one have never blacked out. I've never had an issue with I'm a little bit more substantial than Valerie is, but I don't think that necessarily has anything to do with your tolerance level. Um But I definitely have had points in my life where I've had a problem. And I think just really checking in with yourself regularly of am I using this to get through the day or is this something that's enhancing my life or do I even really enjoy this anymore or am I just doing it because other people are doing it? Mm -hmm. I think that's the most unattractive thing a person can do in their life is just do something because other people are doing it. And I think – the older you get and the more mature you get, the more embarrassing that gets. So, <laughs> yes. so and the less fulfilling, yeah. too. Like, do things that actually bring you joy and make you feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, but if drinking is one of those things and you can do it in a healthy way, more power to you. Totally. And I think Val would agree and any addict would agree that if, if you can do it in a way that doesn't take over your life and doesn't destroy you and you can have a couple drinks and enjoy yourself, go for it. But Absolutely. if it's interfering with your life, do something about it. Totally. And we're here if you need us. I'm no expert on the, the subject. but <laughs> I wouldn't say that I'm an expert no, either. But, <laughs> but we'll have a conversation. And that's our whole goal in this podcast is to talk about the things that other people don't like to talk about and facil- facilitate <laughs> these conversations. <laughs> facilitate in case he needs that word. The word of the day <laughs> brought to you by the letter F. <laughs> what, what was the other one? Uh, uh, uh. I don't even remember. Oh, anonymity. Anonymity. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, we're doing this whole thing to celebrate your second sober (gasps) birthday. Yes. Which is so exciting. Thank you. Um, What are you doing to celebrate? Well, last year I had a full-on sober birthday party, but with, you know, the spirit of social distancing, I think I'm just going to celebrate at home with my boyfriend, um, probably crack open some sparkling water or something, get a little crazy. Um, but I am actually, all this week I have been releasing resources, um, whether it's blog posts, this podcast, um, about sobriety. And I actually just released this week a downloadable 30-day sobriety journal. So you can just download it, and then you can print it off or you can fill it out digitally. Um, it's totally free and it is great for anybody who is sober, sober curious early on in their sobriety journey. And that can be sober from alcohol, drugs, sex, whatever it is that you are exploring um, sobriety in in your life. And it just has some really awesome journaling prompts to kind of help you through those days that are a little tough and you need those reminders of why you started on this journey in the first place. So if Beyonce can do it, you can do it. Exactly. Chrissy Teigen is sober now. Yeah. Well, I don't think, I don't think Beyonce's sober, but she definitely abstained from sex for a while in her discovery period with we her and Jay-Z. Her. Yeah. We love that for her. We love that for her. So whatever you are, <laughs> whatever, whatever you need. Yeah. It is available on my website, 
pointofval.com. Um, and you can download that for free. And so it is a great resource if you are sober or sober curious. We're just needing to check in with yourself. 30 days is a good time period for you to spend time self-reflecting and figuring your shit out. Yeah. So yeah. Go so check go that check out. out those resources. Um, and then you can always hit me up in the DMs if you have a question um, or if you just need somebody to talk to or if you're in the Grand Rapids area and you're trying to go to an AA meeting, I will happily come along. Yeah. And we'll link all of Val's social stuff in the show notes. Um, I think we've got everything under control here. We've talked poop in your <laughs> pants. So we've accomplished all of our missions. So we've gotten close. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we are done i think i'm so good at ending these yeah should we cheers should we che- yeah cheers to non-alcoholic drinks Ayo. becoming more abundant amen to that so if Manifesting you're that in a non-alcoholic drink company hit us up because we'll make some mocktails yes okay Love that. all right well uh samantha with photos on instagram i'll tag that in the notes too and if you have any questions for me or val feel free to reach out and we will make sure to answer them so Thanks for being here. Hot Cheetos. You're welcome.